This morning, we're going to turn to John 17, John 17, and uh, really, I think this will be a good setup for next Sunday as we look at this prayer of Jesus, and um, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, we're, we're in the midst of a series on John, and we're going to read through this whole chapter uh, together, and as we do that, I want us to think about our prayer life for just a minute. I'm going to take a few minutes to set this up, um, but if you were to stop and think about your prayers... What would that tell you about your relationship with Christ? This morning, we're going to open up to this prayer that Jesus spoke over his disciples just before he goes to the cross. It's 26 verses long. This is a bit of a hike. I'm taking us on a, a marathon. Like, think Mount Blackmore this morning, okay? In fact, this, is the, this prayer is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in all four Gospels. And we're going to read it in its entirety this morning. And my challenge for us is to stay focused, and here's why. I want you to see this chapter as like a backstage pass with Jesus, a backstage pass with, with Christ. When I was in high school, we had something called Country Jam in my hometown. Anybody ever heard of that? Country Jam, it was this four-day music festival out in the desert. It was so popular, like the, the, town, uh, the town moved out in this desert in the middle of nowhere, and, and thousands of people were gathered up. And at the time, they had all the headliners for the event. It seems kind of old school now, but they were, they were big names then. Reba McIntyre, Kenny Chesney, George Strait, all the greats. Somehow, one of my high school teachers was a stage manager. So for three years as I was a teenager, I got to be on the stage crew, which meant I got an all-access backstage pass, which meant I also got to see country music in a way that most didn't get to see it. Whether I was uh, on the bus bringing meals to the bands or up on the podium with a spotlight, that pass allowed me to see artists off stage. You can learn a lot about an artist off stage. When, when the lights go out, the crowds dissipate, and the show is coming to an end, you learn things. Some things I probably shouldn't have learned. But I want us to think of that kind of backstage pass as we read this prayer, because this moment in John's gospel, it, it's hard for me to describe the importance, the significance of this, this chapter. We get 26 verses of Jesus intimately speaking with the Father. Think about that gold mine. The words that Jesus is about to pour out in the prayer are now by his grace fully accessible to us. And again, consider your prayer life for a minute. If I had a glimpse into your conversation with the Father, what would it tell me about your faith? What would it tell me about your heart or what you truly care about, about your troubles, your fears, your desires. You can learn a lot about a person through their prayer life. There's only four times in all of John's gospel where we're given this kind of window into Jesus with the Father. Everyone but this one is just a flyby. In John 6, Jesus prays for the loaves and the fish, but we have no idea what he said. We just know it was a prayer of thanksgiving. At Lazarus' tomb, you'll remember at John 11, Jesus offers this short prayer of thanksgiving and praise, but again, we don't get a whole lot from it. In John 12, Jesus then has this, this heart that's troubled over events to come, and he again goes to the Father, but it's just a few words. There's nothing to glean. Now this morning, we're about to open up to a backstage, all-access pass where we find an entire chapter's worth of Jesus praying to the Father. And with this chapter, we now have this new insight into the life of Jesus that you will find nowhere else in the Gospels. And here's what I want us to see this morning. This prayer not only reveals to us a part of who Jesus is, but as we study it together, we're gonna find this intimate look at what he thinks about us. 
And through that lens, we begin to get this, this picture of what our own prayer life should look like in our relationship to him. So that's enough of me going on. Let's jump into John 17. Thanks for giving me a minute to set that up. And let's hear now Jesus' words to the Father. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. So I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I'm glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled, that was Judas. But now I'm coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God endures forever. So just picture a prayer gathering with me for a minute. If you've been at Spring Hill for, for any time at all, you've probably seen them numerous times because prayer is a major part of what we do in the life of this church. In fact, just this morning out at Legacy, we had a, a handful of people praying over both worship services even before you even walked in the doors, hours before. You might know not, but not know that, but there's a, there's a crew up there that covers us in prayer every single Sunday. 
Just as an example of, of more prayer, last Sunday after worship here at the Bozeman site, we had a, another handful of people, after many people had left the church, laying hands on a family who was in need. Another example, on Monday night at our elders meeting, we spent most of the first hour with God's word open in prayer, nothing else. That's it, no business, no action items, just prayer. But think of that, that picture of a prayer gathering in your mind. Heads bowed, bringing ourselves to the Lord, maybe putting a hand on a loved one's shoulder. Everyone have that picture painted in their heads. Now picture Jesus is the one doing the praying. Christ is standing before his disciples. He knows his hour has come. He knows the cross is just days away. He knows this is his farewell. And our lesson tells us as he looked towards heaven, out loud for everyone in the backstage kind of moment to hear, he begins to pray the most pastoral prayer you and I have ever known. First he prays for himself. Then he prays for the disciples. And then of all things, he prays for us. For our time this morning, I wanna look at those three points. Jesus prays for himself, then he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for you and for I. And as we do that, I want us to think about two questions together. They're not on the screens, but just hear me. First, what does this prayer teach us about Jesus? And second, what does it then teach us about our own relationship and prayer life to him? So let's begin here. Why would Jesus begin this prayer for himself? Did you catch that? Very first line of all things, Jesus asked for glory from the Father. You might have heard the story of a young teen who was just obsessed with how rotten her life had become. She had suffered this, this horrible breakup with this boy and she was terrified she'd never find another man in her life. And so night after night, it was like this drama at the dinner table that she'd always be alone. Her mom and dad would ask her to say grace and in her loneliness, every time she'd go off on this tangent, just sort of begging God for this new boyfriend over and over as the food got cold. One night just before dinner, her dad was fed up he said, you know what, I'll bet you mom's apple pie tonight that you can't bless this food without making it about you. She said, fine, you're on. So she began to pray. She said, Father, I thank you for this food and I, I thank you for the hands that prepared it. You know, mom is so good to us and I love her so much. So I wanna pray especially for mom. She said, in fact, Lord, I have just one special request. God, would you give my mother the most handsome and loving son-in-law this family's ever known? <laughs> Oh, if your prayer life is anything like mine, like we're, we're used to praying self-focused prayers, aren't we? Like we know what it is to pray for me. It's our default. It's nothing wrong or, or right about it. But how can you not go to the Father and pray the desires of your heart? Here's the crazy part. This is what I want us to see. Of all the requests that Jesus could bring to the Father, this is how he begins his prayer. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son. That word glorify, it means to bring honor or to bring praise. And, you know, if we just stop there, we, we might conclude that Jesus and this teenage girl, they have a lot in common. Of all the topics Jesus could begin with, he starts there. But here's what I don't want us to miss. One of the first things that we learn about Jesus as we study this prayer is not that he's concerned with his own glory for his sake. It's that he's ultimately concerned with bringing the Father glory. Look at this. Jesus goes on. He says, glorify your son. Why? So that the son may glorify you. Here's the first thing I want us to see in this prayer. This is a theme and the, the thesis really of the rest of the chapter. 
Jesus has always centered his purpose and his prayer life on bringing glory to the Father. Look at this in verse four. He says, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. The glory that Jesus speaks of, it's this shared honor, he and the Father as one. Everything Jesus did, everything Jesus prayed was wrapped up in exaltation of the Father in heaven. And here's what that teaches us. Here's why this matters. Our prayer life should do the same. You know, there's nothing inherently wrong with praying for ourselves. You can open up the Psalms and see that David did it all the time as an example for us. But when we do that, the lesson is we should pray in such a way that God receives the glory. That it's not our will that is done, but the Father's will. Even as Jesus is praying for himself, the Father is now the headline of this prayer life. The rest is just details. Side note, let me get nerdy for a minute. Notice how the Lord's prayer begins the exact same way. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now we're just a few verses in in, and, and Jesus moves from this relationship with the Father now to his relationship with his disciples. And now we begin to get a real sense of Jesus. Look at this in verse six. He says, I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. And from this point forward, Jesus shifts to this prayer of his beloved friends. And here's what Jesus prays for. This is like his last will and testament, right? This is his summary. Listen to the heart of a shepherd as I summarize the next many verses. He says, protect them. I protected them on earth, so Father, you now keep them. He said, give them my full measure of joy. Sanctify them in the truth. Keep them from the evil one. Notice the depth of love in this prayer. Jesus knows he's on his way out, and therefore he begins to pour his heart out. This is a rubber meets the road kind of prayer. You know, every word now reveals just how deeply Christ loves these men. And as we read it aloud, this is what this tells us about who Jesus is. If you've ever wondered if Jesus cares about you, or if he cares about what you're going through, or if you've ever wondered if he hears you, or if he listens to you, if you've ever wondered if his heart was truly for you, you can look no further than this prayer. He doesn't just leave his disciples to fend for themselves on the way out. He covers their every move, their very future, with words of love to the Father. In fact, if you have your Bibles open, this isn't on the screens, but just hear how many times Jesus talks about them in the next few verses. Verse six, Jesus says, you gave them to me. Verse nine, he says, so I'm praying for them, for they are yours. Verse 11, keep them in your name. Verse 15, and keep them from the evil one. Verse 17, sanctify them. Jesus doesn't just lead the disciples. He doesn't just love the disciples. He doesn't just send the disciples. He prays for them. And here's why I wanna make that point, because here's my favorite part. After all this time praying for the disciples, Jesus now pivots to us. Did you catch that? Look at this in verse 20. He says, and my prayer is not just for them alone, but he says, I pray for those who will believe in me through their word. Here's your backstage insight. Just sit with this with me for a minute. If you really listen and hone in on the words that Jesus just prayed, this is a game changer. 
The reason that you and I have faith in Christ is that thousands of years ago, Jesus was praying for us. Just soak that up with me for a minute. I pray also for those who will believe in me through my word. That's us. And notice what Jesus didn't pray for. He said, I'm not praying for the world. He was specific about that. I'm no longer in the world. I'm praying for the ones you've given me. And I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. You know, we know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We know that. And yet Jesus specifically says, I'm not praying for the world right now. I'm praying for all those who will one day believe in me. If you really boil that down, you can say the reason we're in this sanctuary right now, praising God, worshiping him in this place, is that the Savior on his deathbed prayed for us before one of us was even born. And as you search the scriptures, you realize this isn't just a one-time event. This is who Jesus is. Look at this in Romans 8, 34. I could pull out a dozen just like this. Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, Paul says, was the one who was raised, who is now at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding, present tense, for us. You know what that teaches us about our prayer life? It teaches us that you and I should not just be praying for ourselves, but we should join Jesus in praying for those who have yet to believe. Richard Halverston was a chaplain in the U.S. Senate years ago, and he tells this story about how early at this, this morning breakfast with all these senators gathered around, the topic of prayer in school had come about. And the chaplain, he asked the crowd, he said, how many of you are staunchly for prayer in the school system? And he heard just this, this, this rousing applause and the hands went up, the, the, the crowd all got excited. He said, okay, okay, okay. He said, how many of you pray daily with your own children at home? How many of you gather up with your kids and pray for the loss that you'll encounter in that day? Richard said the room got awkwardly quiet with only a few remaining hands. If Jesus prayed for us, and if he's still praying for us, how can we not do the same for the others? And here's a bonus, I think, as we study this, this prayer of Christ. When Jesus prays for us, his prayers are always on time. You ever notice that? Like he never pushed his prayers out for another day. He, he didn't wait to pray because the moment was too inconvenient or because he was too busy or too caught up in what was to come. Well, the first words out of his mouth in this prayer, whether it be for himself or his disciples or us, is the hour has come. It's time to pray. Just think about the timing of that. All the other prayers in John's gospel are short and sweet and hardly even recorded for us to listen to. But as the crescendo of the cross has now come and the, the troubled hearts of the disciples have hit an all-time high, we now spend an entire chapter listening to Jesus pour his heart out. Years ago, when I first stepped into ministry, one of my favorite taglines was, I'll pray for you. Anyone else used that one or heard that one before? It's like it's a part of our Christianese language, right? Someone tells us something significant that's going on in their lives and we make this passing promise to, to pray at a later time. Why do we do that? I mean, why not just stop in the opportune moment and, and pray? One of the things that I love about this, this prayer is just how timely it is. You know, Jesus knows the moment has arrived. The storm is about to get dark. Judas is about to betray him. Peter is about to deny him. The cross is coming. And what does he do? 
the minute he finishes up telling his disciples of the trial to come, let's pray. Not just a word or two, not a trite prayer, but a heartfelt prayer over the ones that he loves. And of all things Jesus could pray for, here's the last bonus I want us to see. This is the most important part of the prayer. Jesus asked the Father that we might be unified in him. Did you catch how many times he repeated it over and over again? Just so that everybody was clear. That they may be one. You know, we live in this day and age of, of love and unity, right? Those two are, are buzzwords. They're the, the two big topics of our day. In fact, if you watch the opening ceremonies of the Olympics, this was the main theme. Anybody watch that? John Lennon comes out and Imagine begins to play over the, the athletes. You might say, I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. That's not the unity Jesus prays for, though, here. The unity that Christ speaks of is, is far different, far more costly. Look at this in verse 22. The glory that you have given me, remember back at the beginning of the prayer when Jesus prayed for glory? The glory that you have given me, he says, I am now giving to them that they may be one even as we are in one. I and them and you and me that we might, they might be perfectly one. Why? Why does Jesus get the glory? Why would Jesus give us the glory? So that the world, Jesus says, might know that you sent me. So that the Father gets the glory. It's not unity for feel-good's sake. The stakes are much higher than that. The desire for Jesus is that we might come to him in prayer, that our will might align with his such that the world would join in knowing the Father. First, Jesus prays for himself, but only so that he might glorify the Father. Then he prays for his disciples so that the world, that's us, might hear the truth. And finally, he prays for you and I so that we might join him as witnesses of that glory. So this week, here's my invitation. Just put on the backstage pass with me. I feel like we just skimmed this prayer. Open up chapter 17 at some point in your day this week and methodically read through it again, maybe four or five times. And as you do, ask aloud those two questions. What does this prayer tell me about Jesus? And what does that tell me then about my prayer life with him? Let's pray. Will you pray with me? Lord, I, I hear those, those words that you prayed over us, that we would be rooted in your truth, that your word is truth. And so we thank you for these words that are true. We thank you for the, the truth that we glean from them, the, the way that they shape and change us. And God, we just pray this morning that we would be rooted in Christ in such a way that we would bring glory to your name. God, that as we leave this place today, we wouldn't leave just for ourselves, that we wouldn't come here just for, for the sake of us, but that we would know that we live for a greater purpose in bringing the world a witness to you. God, we thank you for that gift. Lord, we ask this morning, as we gather around your table in a minute, that you would, you would keep us mindful of that blessing. Lord, that you, you loved us so much that you died for us. And before you did, you prayed for us. That you are still praying for us. Lord, thank you for that. In Jesus' name, all God's people said.
Amen.